In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, my beloved, is the fourth week of the Holy Pentecost period, the Holy 50 Days. And uh, in the Gospel today, the Lord says that I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. If you remember the, the uh, progression during the Holy 50 Days, the Church is reminding us of who it is that is our resurrection, the Lord that we're following, and the Lord whose uh, resurrection we have a share in. Who is He? The, the second week we spoke about Him as being the bread of life. Last week we spoke about Him being the living water. And this week the Church sets for us the theme as Him being the light of the world. Um, and not only the light, but the source of light. Just as the Lord said that He is the way, the truth, and the life, He's also the light. And it's important... Uh, there's an important aspect of light that sometimes we kind of uh, miss or we um, mistaken. That sometimes we we mistaken the things that project light for being the light itself. If we think about like the lights in the church, we look at the chandelier and we say, okay, where's the light? And we'll point to the chandelier. But actually, that's not the light. That's the chandelier. Because if we turn off the light, that's still the chandelier. But what is it that the chandelier is producing some light, but we can grasp the chandelier. But can we grasp the light? We can't grasp the light. Um, so sometimes we mistake the light for things we can grasp and things we can handle with our hand. Um, maybe things like a book or a microphone we can grasp with our hand, you know, very easily with no difficulty. But certainly grasping the light uh, is something that's beyond our capability. Um, and it's actually this very essence of the things that we can't grasp that actually is the very substance that allows us to see the things around us. So this light that's maybe hard for us to understand and hard for us to grasp, it's what enlightens what is around us so we can grasp the things that we can that are uh, around us. Um, the light also allows us to see things truly as they really are. You know, if there's, if you're in a dark room and you're having trouble to see something and you're not sure what this is, if we just put the phone on, the light on our phone, we're able to see enough to say, okay, this is the right shoe or this is the wrong shoe. Um, so I'd like to consider this morning two questions about the light. Number one is what happens when the light of God dawns or appears? And then what happens when I come in the presence of this light? Very briefly, when the light dawns, when the light of God or the Christ dawns, what happens? The first thing we'll find when the light of Christ dawns is there'll be uh, joy. Uh, in Psalm 97 it says, Light has shone for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. So when the light shines, there is happiness and joy. I'll recall your memory to the Feast of Resurrection a few weeks ago and the enactment. What do we do? We turn off the lights during when we say onem nai, and then during the reenactment, the lights are off. Immediately, what happens when we turn on the lights? There's this like inexpressible joy. We begin to be joyful, and we say Christos anesti, and there's this festivity in the whole church when the light dawns, when the light appears. Um, also, if you remember, in the uh, in the incarnation, before the incarnation, the witness of Christ being born was the star in the east that gave a light that was bright, right? And what happened to the wise men? It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. So they saw the light, and it was a source of joy for them because they knew the promise 
that was uh, tied to that star. Um, <clears throat> also, if you recall on uh, Good Friday, after the Lord was crucified, the church teaches us that, and the Bible teaches that after he was crucified, Christ ascended into Hades to free those righteous souls who were trapped from you know, all of the period of the Old Testament before him. And you can imagine, you know, the reaction of those souls who were righteous, like David, Abraham, Jacob, and all those righteous men and women from the Old Testament, when they saw the light of Christ coming into Hades. I don't know about you, but if there's something maybe like we're looking forward to, like for a vacation that's a few months away, we can't wait. Every week we're counting look how many more days until we get to go on vacation, or we get to go on this trip, or we get to go to Egypt. We're counting the days. And when it gets closer, the joy that we have on the day that we're leaving is wonderful. Imagine now waiting thousands of years for one day, one moment. And as that moment approaches in the Hades and those righteous souls see him, the amount of joy that they feel, it's incredible. We might see the same thing as uh, for the kingdom of heaven. The day in which we will go to his kingdom will be a triumphant you know, uh, procession. And we can't wait to see what this will look like. And this is maybe what keeps us uh, in hope for that resurrection. So in the, when the light dawns, there is certainly joy. Also when the light dawns, there is peace. <clears throat> um, again, if I take you to when the, the, um, the heavenly host witnessed to the incarnation of the Lord, that he was born in the major It says that the heavenly host said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Right? So when the light dawns, when Christ dawned on the earth, there was proclaimed by the heavenly host that there is also an infusion of peace that has never been um, experienced by mankind before, certainly after the fall. Also after the resurrection, we see um, uh, when the disciples were gathered in the upper room, They were gathered and they were scared. Right when the Lord appeared to them for the first time in the upper room, what is the first thing he says? Peace, yes. Peace to you. Peace to you. So where the light dawns, there is peace. There is joy and there's also peace. Oftentimes in dark places, it's it's a place that makes us anxious. I remember uh, a few weeks ago, my son asked me, Dad, when it's dark, do you get scared? I was like, well, I'm not comfortable because there's, I can't see, you know, in front of me and nobody's comfortable when, you know, when it's dark. And yeah, when there's darkness, it makes a little bit more anxious because we don't know what, what, what to predict. You know, things can be unpredictable, right? And this reminds me of, um, what the Lord said. He says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So even in those dark places where it seems to be that, you know, we can't predict things or we can't, you know, see things clearly, we can always remember this, you know, words of the Lord. And also remember the words of the Lord in, our, in the psalm where he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil for you are with me. Right? We have that peace. When the light has shone and the light has dawned, we have this joy and this peace. Also when the light dawns, there is a sense of security, a sense of safety. Um, and this is true, even around us, you know, when we purchasing maybe a new home or moving into a new home, sometimes what concerns us is the exterior lighting. Not because, not during the day, because we don't need the light during the day. But at night, 
that provides a sense of security. If the house is very dark, perhaps we'll say, okay, let me put some lights around for security. When we built the church, we built the church with lights in the parking lot to give a sense of security when we come to the church. In the same way, while the children of Israel were journeying through the wilderness, God set for them two lights. He says, The Lord went before them by the day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. So he gave them this pillar of fire during the night to give them this sense of security that I'm watching over them. You know, it's just like, you know, there's a certain sense, for example, when there's like a young child, um, uh, I remember actually when I was younger, I'd always feel safe in the house as long as dad was there. And then if dad was traveling for any reason, I remember going to my mom and wanting to sleep with her in her room, right? To have this sense of security, right? So God placed this pillar of light for the children of Israel as a sense of security. So when the light dawns, when Christ is in our life, there's a sense of security. I have no fear of what's to come. I have no fear of all of the, you know, the things going on in the, in the world and in our country. I have no fear because I have the light of Christ and this gives me a sense of security. Also, in the, uh, when the light dawns, there's a sense of clarity. Things appear, as I mentioned before, as they truly are. In John chapter 3, in his uh, discussion with Nicodemus, the Lord says, But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So, with the light, there is clarity, there is transparency, there we see things clearly as they are. And this is why the true Christian person need not to lie. Or we ought not to lie, and we should strive not to lie, because this it creates a, a bit of ambiguity in my character. Who is he? Who is she? Is she really who she says she is? But those who dwell in light can be honest, accepting their mistakes and their faults, and they live with them, and we try to work on them. But I don't live in ambiguity, and I don't live uh, with this uh, cloud around me. Sometimes um, um, when I, when we don't live in this light or we don't, you know, share in this light, we sometimes we can neglect our faults. Um, and this light helps us, when we approach light, it helps us to see our faults more clearly. Um, sometimes some may come in co- into confession and they'll sit and they'll sit quiet for a minute and they'll say, Abuna, I have nothing to confess about. So I say, okay, Annie, are you, you've been perfect these last Annie, few months. You haven't did anything wrong. He's like, well, Abuna, maybe the few sins that I've confessed last time, they weren't troubling me Annie, this, uh, these past few months. But then that's it. So what's happening here is he labeled these sins are the only sins that he commits. So he's choosing to stand a bit of a distance from the source of light. So we can only see a few specks. But actually, as we get all draw closer to the light, we see more blemishes. So immediately when somebody says, I said, do you read the scripture? Are you reading the Bible? Are you reading the lives of the saints and the stories of the saints? So that way, when we approach the light, we see ourselves more clearly. 
This is what happens when the light dawns. It gives this clarity in my life. Lastly, when we approach the light, fear sometimes uh, ensues. If you remember when the Lord sent his disciples away on the boat and they were in the midst of the sea and it became a little bit boisterous and the Lord caught up with them and he started walking on the water and the disciples said to him, they said, look, it's a ghost. They thought it was a ghost. So there was some uh, illuminated figure approaching them, walking on the water. So they immediately said or concluded this was a spirit, right? Because it was illuminated and hovering over the water. And of course this says, and they say, and it says in Matthew 14, and they cried out for fear. And they cried out for fear. So sometimes when the light appears or the light comes, there's this fear that comes in, uh, into our heart. The same thing happened when St. Paul was on the road to Damascus. And the Lord appeared to him, it frightened him and threw him off of his horse. And he was on the ground and when the Lord spoke to him, he asked, who are you? And he said, I am uh, Christ whom you are persecuting. Sometimes fear can lead us to repentance. This when the light dawns and we have this fear, it can lead us to repentance, which is a good thing. Or it can reveal to us God's presence in our life. Um, sometimes we're in the midst of a stressful situation or a place where we seem to be scared and we're, and we're fearful. We'll find that God's protection is there And this fearful event passed in peace. And we remember this. I remember being in the hospital and with so-and-so, and we were praying that God would be with us, and I was scared. And thanks be to God, and everyone came out to be okay, and this is an experience that I had. In the moment of my fear, the light dawned. And this gave me um, assurance of God's presence in our life and in my life. This fear that is accompanied with the light is oft also also accompanied by um, a message of peace or joy, because the enemy can also, you know, uh, instill in us fear or try to make us scared. But what is the difference? The fear that comes from the enemy is one that is uh, met to end in despair and death and further and more fear, so that we can be subjugated to him. But the fear that is, you know, from God is often meant met with peace and with joy as well. This is why when the Lord approached them on the, while he was walking on the water and he saw that they were scared, he says, Be of good cheer is I, do not be afraid. Immediately he was met with peace and with joy. Also in the upper room, as we said, when they were fearful, when he came in and they saw him, the first thing he said was peace to you, to give them a sense of peace. So when there is fear, that is from God, it is associated or accompanied with um, joy and peace. So what happens then, or the second part of the question, is what happens to us when we approach the light? You know, when we approach light, two things can happen. I remember when I was, uh, my first job actually, um, out of college, I worked in uh, a place, and it was facing like the west. So right when I went out for lunch, and all the buildings around were white, so I remember walking out and the sun was shining and all the buildings were white. I thought it was like the second coming every time I went out for lunch. It was so bright. Like I had to like close my eyes and like feel my way to the car because it was so bright. So sometimes when we approach the light, one of two things happen. Either the light is something that is abrasive where we want to cover our eyes 
Or the light is something that attracts us and we want to approach the light. If you ever, you know, been outside, you know, and at night and you lit like a, like a, a flashlight or something, or you lit a light on in your house, all the bugs come to the light, right? So they're attracted to the light, so they go to the light. So these are the two things that happen. Either it's abrasive or it's something that attracts me and I get closer to the light. Again, if I go back to the star in the east when the Lord uh, was incarnate, Herod, when he saw the light, what did he do? It was abrasive, right? He wanted to extinguish the light. He said, let me kill this young child, or he attempted to. And then you have on the other side the three wise men, when they saw the light, they came from in the east very far, and they traveled a very long way to come to find this light. So they were attracted to the light, right? They were attracted. What is my reaction to this light? What is my reaction when somebody invites me to church? What is my reaction when somebody says, we're going to wake up early and we're going to go to church? He said, ah, I have to go again, not again. So this man means that this light is abrasive to me. What is my reaction when I want, when we say, okay, let's read scripture together? No, that's, I don't want to do, let's watch TV. The light is abrasive to me. Right? The invitations to be around the light should be met with an attraction to the light, not that it's something that's abrasive. I often wondered, you know, when we read scripture, St. Paul describes himself as being the chief of sinners. And you read his life, and this, this man was amazing. Amazing. And even though you read the stories of all the saints, and how sometimes you read the stories and they say, I'm the worst of the worst, and I'm the sinners of the sinners. Sometimes it made me think, do they not know who they are? Any of these people, these were like, you know, pillars in the church. How is it that they don't know that they're saints? And this is the very, the very point. The saint, when they approach the light, they see themselves to be more wicked. They see themselves to be worse. So as I approach the light, and it's not abrasive to me, I'll approach them and I see, when I approach him, I see God as being more holy, and I see myself as being more wicked. But if I come and I see myself as being holy, then I'm still far from the light. Because the saints, as they approach the light, they see themselves as being, they see all their faults and blemishes. We might look and say, label, okay, these are the big sins, the four or five big sins. But what about the small sins, the things that are very small? The, the evil thought, the thought of envy, the thought of jealousy, the thought of wanting to get back at somebody taking something that is not mine or desiring something that's not mine, wanting to get revenge. All of these things maybe that are just thoughts. What about these little things? But when we approach the light, these become more evident to us. And this is the beauty and mystery of approaching the light. We begin to realize more that we are sinners. Our responsibility, my beloved, is to gradually grow closer and closer to the light every day. We pray, Lord, help me to draw closer to you by one step every day. To enjoy when somebody invites me to become closer to the light. Whether it be through a Bible study, whether it be through a prayer meeting, whether it be through an activity in the church, whether it be when I'm with our friends and we talk about something spiritual. But when somebody brings something spiritual up, they start making fun of it, let's talk about something else, right? Here the word of God is abrasive. But we need to let the light be something that we are drawn to. 
And these will distinguish those who are in the kingdom of heaven, those who are drawn to the light, and not those who are, um, who feel the light is abrasive. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.